Hey everyone, David Sylvan here again, and welcome to UH Ventures Health Voyages podcast series. We're going to take a slightly different direction today. We're actually sitting uh, in the basement level of Rainbow Babies and Children's Hospital, and we have the privilege to be with Dr. Brian Rothstein. Brian is not only a pediatric neurosurgeon, but also has the designation of Ventures Fellow. And uh, we'll ask Brian in a, in a little bit what he thinks that means, because some of this we're making up as we're going along, but we'll get to that. Brian, how are you? Great. Thank you for having me. Very excited to be here today. Excellent. So here's my first question for you. And you and I have known each other for, uh, for quite a few years. You, uh, you hold the, uh, the lofty designation of pediatric neurosurgeon, um, but that's candidly not where you started in, on your career path. Um, take us through a little bit of your trajectory. You spent some time uh, in, in marketing, you spent some time in professional sports. You and I crossed paths at the international management group, the sports marketing giant that, that was at that time based here in Cleveland. So you failed as Jerry Maguire, so you became a brain surgeon. That's not usually the traditional trajectory. So tell us a little bit about your background. Certainly. You know, show me the money is really one of my favorite uh, com. No, just kidding. Um, so yeah, when I, was in, uh, when I was in high school, I saw the movie Jerry Maguire. And true statement, I wanted to be Jerry Maguire growing up. So focused all of my energy, everything that I was involved with was related to becoming a sports agent in high school, um, which was fantastic. I had a great opportunity to work with Peter Johnson, who you know was a big deal at IMG back in the day um, through a friend of mine from high school. And my trajectory through college took me down that pathway. When I graduated, I went to work for um, folks that were at IMG at one point, started their own company called Elevation Group, and um, got this entree into the world of sports. And it was everything I expected and also not all at the same time. And I think that that was that, that big transition point in my life. You know, I had a great opportunity to work in marketing consulting, to work in branding, to really work in sales and understanding the dynamics of how that all worked uh, from a business perspective in terms of the sports and advertising world, but recognized that I really wasn't doing anything special for people. And I grew up in a family of a dad who's a physician and a, a grandmother who lived the American dream and was a social philanthropist much of her life. and realized that I just wanted to do something different. So I had to sit down with my dad and said, what's next for me? I don't see myself living in this world, you know, for, for the next 50 some odd years. So I threw out some ideas. I said, I could go be a soccer coach. I like doing that. And go be a teacher. I like teaching. I said, how about being a nurse? And dad said, well, you know, I, I think healthcare is a great choice always. He said, do me the favor of applying to medical school first. Not because there's anything wrong with nursing. In fact, nurses are a very important part of our, our world today, every day. But at the time, and I would argue he would give a different answer today because things have changed a lot in the last 25 years, his concern was that a nursing degree wouldn't allow me to do more than just be a nurse. Um, and in the landscape of healthcare today, we know that leaders come from all walks of life. Uh, but certainly I followed the advice, applied to medical school, and found my way there. So you spent time doing very, very different things, but they were probably accretive to the manner in which you um, ply your trade currently as a provider. How did that prior experience influence who you are as a physician, who you are as a caregiver? Did it? Certainly. Uh, I think that working in the world of marketing, advertising, branding, 
uh, you need to develop skills to communicate with people uh, in many different ways. And certainly my job as a physician is to communicate. That's what I do all day every day is meeting families, meeting their children, trying to learn what the problems are. Um, and social cues from kids are very different than social cues from adults. And trying to pick up the nuance, I think, is a very important skill set. And a lot of that comes out of the nuance of marketing and advertising. Um, how do you develop a message? How do you share your perspective in a meaningful way? Um, and so I think that plays a big role. Outside of the business aspect of it, I think that in, in the world of business, which is very different than medicine in terms of early education, you learn how important it is to be able to work in a team environment. Um, and I think that that certainly informs the way that we take care of children here at Rainbow. All right, so that all makes sense. You, as I mentioned in the opening, also have this uh, designation of Ventures Fellow. In your mind, why is it important? Why is it critical for innovation platforms, for corporate venture capital platforms within the provider space to mindfully, to proactively capture the voice and the lens of the provider in those conversations? Um, it's a great question, and it's a really challenging question to answer, I think, because it's so multifactorial. Um, the challenge in healthcare today is how do we take care of patients in a world where there's so much information out there, so many tools for, for families to get different information, to obtain second opinion and things like that. At the end of the day, I believe that our job is to take care of people uh, and doing that in a meaningful way. And today in the digital society, that means that implementing digital strategies and thinking outside the box and being more creative about the way that we approach care on a whole and so I think that if we don't have physicians involved in that conversation and that the only people who are responsible for making these decisions, for deciding which platform are we going to try out today, which investment is going to be the long-term solution for our institution, if we don't have the practitioners involved, and I would argue even more importantly, we don't engage the patients in those decision-making processes, I think that we fail in terms of what our sole purpose in healthcare is, which is putting patients and providers together so that we can better the health of the community. Yeah, got it. That makes sense. So, Brian, you and I were recently in Silicon Valley together. We were attending a, uh, a venture capital conference. Uh, it was in Sunnyvale. You had the opportunity to, to represent university hospitals, UH Ventures, Rainbow Babies and Children's on a panel. Tell us a little bit about the panel that you were on. Uh, I was very humbled to be a part of this panel. Some very, um, very big players in the world of innovation in pediatric medicine. Um, so I uh, was a representative from Gillette Children's Hospital, from LA Children's Hospital, and from Stanford uh, Children's Health System. Um, uh, all from the innovation uh, venture side, uh, no other clinicians on the panel. Uh, and it gave us an opportunity to share the struggles that we have in innovation and healthcare, but specifically with a lens on pediatrics. Uh, it was a great group of people to dialogue with, a great opportunity to share that we do have a lot of similarities, even though we all live in different parts of, of, of the country. Um, and most importantly, I think a, a great platform to share the message of how important pediatric-focused innovation is in our world today, because in pediatrics, and we always make the joke, it's not taking care of a little adult. Um, but so frequently we see these big companies who have solutions that are very successful in the adult world 
they try to slim them down or give us the pediatric version of it, when in fact there are so many other challenges and nuance to pediatric healthcare, both on the payer side as well as the patient side, um, that we can't use dumbed-down solutions. We need discrete solutions that are designed for pediatric practitioners. And so this was a wonderful platform to be able to be in front of all of these startups and entrepreneurs um, to share why we need their investment in us too. Yeah, so we, we heard that repeatedly that pediatrics isn't a medicine for small adults. Can you think of an example where uh, someone's attempted to sort of MacGyver the solution by taking the adult version and maybe making it smaller or, or uh, miniaturizing it, believing that that might work within your space? Anything like that you've seen? So I can't think of a specific example from a medical device um, from that perspective, but certainly I think some of the digital um, solutions that are out there in terms of patient engagement, certainly any app that is developed that monitors patient outcomes, symptom management, um, physical parameters, let's say, for example, home monitoring. We want to measure someone's blood pressure. We want to measure someone's blood glucose. Um, the challenges of doing that in kids is who's the person holding the peripheral device? I can't give a four-year-old an iPhone and say, hey, tell me how you're feeling today. Check yes or no doesn't really work for them. Right? I need to find a way to engage the parent who's then going to work with their child to do that. So I think that the best examples we have are in trying to adapt digital strategies that work very well for educated adults to children who don't have the education nor the know-how to actually physically interact with whatever device we're giving them in a meaningful way. Um, and that's a, that's a global perspective. There's also plenty of examples in terms of taking EMR-related data and trying to extract data out of the EMR um, and apply algorithms that are used to treat adult disorders, sepsis, and things like that, and trying to apply them to the pediatric population. And we've seen that those don't work as well either. Yeah, yeah. So we hear the comment often that if you've seen one health system, you've only seen one health system. Given what you heard on the panel, given your, your interaction before and, and post the, uh, the panel with the, the, uh, the, the individuals that you mentioned, was there anything revelationary that you heard from their perspectives that uh, isn't our experience? Or is this experience from one pediatric hospital to the other largely the same? Any, any idiosyncrasies, geography, patient population, anything like that? So it was, it was very interesting to hear the difference uh, in patient population and how that has affected the desire for innovation and the motivation behind innovation. Certainly, um, when you're talking about Stanford Children's Healthcare, right? I mean, they're in the heart of Silicon Valley. They have access. And so their, their problems aren't finding the solutions. It's vetting the solutions. Um, they have people knocking on the door every day saying, I have the best new sliced bread. You should really try it. It's better than Wonder Bread. Um, for folks, you know, in, up in uh, Minnesota, where they deal with rural communities, they're looking at very different solutions. Um, and so I think that we all deal with similar perspective on socioeconomic disparity, access to healthcare, low margins associated with very high Medicaid populations no matter where you work in pediatrics, um, and the, the challenges of incorporating pediatric innovation to a global system approach. However, each individual hospital has its own direction uh, and its own challenges to deal with. And so it's, there isn't a cookie, excuse me, a cookie cutter solution. Yep. Um, and so I think that that opens the, the door for opportunity for collaboration, which is a really nice thing. So 
As you know, we're inundated with, with opportunities, startup opportunities, companies and entities that are looking to, to have us vet their solutions and perhaps become, become buyers, become investors, etc. Given what you've said with regard to the differences, there's obviously probably, and maybe this is a question, a set of universal consistencies. In your mind, how should a startup or an early stage company uh, approach their interaction with the likes of a pediatric hospital when they're looking to have their solution or, or technology integrated into that system? I mean, I think, it, I think it's very similar to how we ask people to interact with the adult hospital. You gotta do your research. You have to understand the community that you're trying to affect. You have to understand the decision makers and who they are. Uh, and I think you have to approach the care providers uh, in a way that's meaningful to them. I think that in pediatrics in particular, again, we talk about the family unit and we talk about the role that families play in the management of a child's chronic illness or acute illness for that matter. And so that landscape, again, is very different. It's not so much patient specific, it's family and community specific. Uh, and so I think that you need to understand that you're gonna talk to a lot more people in the process of getting a pilot underway. You're going to probably have more challenges in terms of getting through the IRB, um, which is our Institution Review Board, which allows us to actually trial these devices because at the end of the day, there's ethics involved too. These, every life that we take care of is an important life and in many respects, I think it's sometimes challenging to look at the perspective of, well, adult life is less valuable than a child's life. But unfortunately, there's, there is that perspective sometimes. We look at it to say that every life is valuable and everything that we do to better the quality of life is important and to, and to manage health is important. But we also have to live within the confines of how we do research, how we execute on those things, um, and the rigor that we put around it. And so what I think is challenging for startups is not understanding that landscape, not understanding there probably isn't a tremendous amount of money to be invested early on, but enough to be able to run a successful pilot. But all of that has to include IRB approval, executive buy-in, um, time with patients, time in the community, time in the, in the laboratory, if you will, which is the physician's office. Uh, and all those things come into play and it can, it can present, and I, I don't mean to sound daunting, um, but it can present a daunting landscape. So I want our startups that we work with to be educated, to know that there are hurdles, but those hurdles, hurdles excuse me, are easily overcome when you have physician and executive champions because we all want the solutions we, right. and we need them. Right. So you've been practicing for a while. You are obviously in training for a long time. You live at the intersect of the, the physical and the virtual, the physical and the digital. What has changed from the perspective of how you do your job as a surgeon and as a, as a pediatric neurosurgeon? What has changed from where you began your training to what you're currently experiencing right now? It's, uh, over that elapse of time, what have you seen changed? I think the most significant changes is, is the development of the electronic medical record and the mandate of the use of the electronic, excuse me, electronic medical record. Um, when I started in, in medical school, everybody had paper charts. And so you went around and you wrote your notes in paper charts and you signed the notes and you had to walk from one place to the next to be able to put the note in the chart. You had to actually physically go to a patient's chart and write orders in by hand. Um, and so the implementation of the electronic medical record really change the landscape of efficiency for physicians in certain respects, 
but it also added a lot of inefficiencies in terms of we talk about click fatigue and the number of boxes that you have to click to get through a patient's chart now um, and the challenges of documentation and because we've created such a robust platform that allows us to input so much data and information the direction that CMS has gone in terms of the mandate of what we have to document and how we do that and how frequently we do that. Um, so it's been an evolution um, that has helped medicine, but it also has challenged our efficiencies in medicine too. And I would say it's probably the biggest example that I can give over that period of time. All right, so as we begin to wrap up here um, and riffing on what you've just said, um, What's most intriguing you at the moment? What are you seeing on the horizon that's, that's exciting you the most? And it doesn't have to be specific to your domain in pediatrics, but just in terms of innovation in healthcare in general. I think that the solutions that we need and the things that are the most exciting to hear and learn about are the opportunities to communicate and work with our patients outside the walls of a hospital, outside of the walls of a healthcare center. They're gonna be the long-term management of chronic disease via peripheral devices that we can input directly into the EMR via call centers, via monitoring centers, where we can know what's going on with a patient with chronic disease every minute of every day in a non-invasive way. Uh, I think that it's going to be the solutions that help us evolve mental health and how we care for children and adults who have mental illness uh, in meaningful ways in the comfort and privacy of their own home. Uh, and then most importantly, I think it's going to come from industries outside of medicine in every other industry in the world, in education, in business, in manufacturing, we always find examples of success where we never thought we would find it. I think that we'll find tools because of the open nature of the digital platforms that have worked in other areas that we'll bring into medicine that will be great investments for us, but also more importantly, we'll find better efficient ways to manage problems. Yeah, got it. So, Brian, one of our traditions when it comes to the uh, Health Voyages podcast series is we always ask our guests the same closing question. Any books you're currently reading, any podcasts that you're currently listening to that you want to share with us? So, as we talked about before, as we were getting set up, um, I'm a huge fan of uh, the Joe Rogan experience and uh, um, Expert on Expert, which is Dak Shepard's podcast. Both are great. Malcolm Gladwell's um, podcasts are awesome. Uh, and on the vis-a-vis -vis Malcolm Gladwell, I, I tend to read a lot of history. Uh, and actually, the book that I'm reading right now that I think is fascinating is called Sapiens. Uh, it's all about the, the history of Homo I, sapiens. I've just started that book. Uh, yeah. It is really, it's fascinating. Uh, and really, I think it goes to show that so much of what we do every day here revolves around the evolution of who we are as a species. Yeah. Excellent. Brian, thank you so much. This uh, You used the term uh, uh, earlier on in the conversation, privilege, and uh, I couldn't uh, concur, concur more. Um, being able to impact outcomes, impact people's lives, working in partnership with people like you truly is a privilege. Thanks for being with us today. Thanks for having me, appreciate it.